Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Uh, we continue as we go through um, Psalms in the summer. Uh, even if you're on vacation, that's fine, um, because they don't build on each other. Each one is its own great teaching, and we come to Psalm 62 uh, today. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. For God alone my soul waits in silence. For him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. The only, they only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balance, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belonged to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Psalms. We thank you for how useful they are. I pray that they would see how useful this psalm is. Lord, help me get out of the way, be self-forgetful by the whole power of the Holy Spirit, and preach your word, rightly dividing it for their good. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, this psalm is about trusting God. It's pretty clear. But before we dive into unpacking it, I want to attempt to prove to you that you all need this psalm more than you might realize. And here's how. A few questions for you. Do you struggle with anxiety, fear, or anger? Are you anxious about the future? Are you anxious about your health? Are you anxious about money? Parents, are you anxious about your kid's future? College students, are you anxious about your future career? Kids, do you get scared sometimes at night? Do you struggle with fear? I did as a child, even into my young adult years. Are you fearful of being rejected by others? Do you struggle with anger? Do you get angry with your kids, your spouse, your coworkers? When things don't go your way, do you get angry? Imagine by now you've said yes to about a half dozen questions, right? We all struggle with that. Now you might be wondering, yes, I struggle with that, but how in the world does that, fear, anxiety, and anger, relate to trusting God? Okay, that's the next thing I have to prove to you. You have to connect these dots. Here's how these connect. Uh, they connect very closely. Uh, right now, you are all trusting in that bench you're sitting on. I can tell because you're sitting on it. Now, I doubt many of you are worried that's going to hold you up. Because if you were, you'd be filled with what? Anxiety. You'd be sitting there wondering, is this thing going to collapse under my weight? Right? But because you aren't, because you trust in it, you are not anxious. Do you see the correlation there? 
When you trust in someone or something, you are not anxious about it holding you up. It's the same with God. Kids, if you're scared at night and your mom or dad comes in your room, are you still scared? No. Why? Because you trust your mom and dad. Whatever you're scared of, they're going to take care of it, right? So your fear leaves when mom and dad comes in. If we trust that God will sustain our health, we won't be anxious about our health. If we trust that God will provide for our financial needs, we won't be anxious about our money. I'm on a personal note. Um, as I mentioned, I struggled a ton with fear um, a lot of my life. And a great verse that, that I memorized, but I'll read it to you just to be safe, is uh, Psalm 56, 3 and 4. So th- this connection is not my own invention. Listen to this. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Do you hear that? It correlates fear and trust. Verse 4, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? I often quoted this to myself to try to convince myself that it's true, because it is. But my fickle heart has a hard time believing it. So hopefully you see this correlation. So maybe you came and, and you're like, oh great, a psalm about trusting God. Of course I trust God. But if you struggle with any of these things, fear, anxiety, anger, oh anger, why do you get angry? Often it's because things didn't go your way, right? Well, if you trust that God has a sovereign plan and everything that happened today is absolutely according to his will, is for your good, as Romans 8 says. If you trust that, you will not be angry. Now, there's other reasons you can be angry, fearful, and anxious, but at least a good chunk of them would be dealt with by trusting God. Okay, so hopefully you're on board that you need this. Look at page 7. Um, there's a tiny edit to the bulletin. Today's we're adding the bullets in left and right. Okay, it's just one word. First one, trust God alone. I just like alone better than only. Trust God together and trust God, not man. Okay, so trust God alone. Look at verses one and two. All right, kids, this is where you get to get involved. Um, look for words that repeat, repeating words. Now, kids, a note is, and parents, make sure to grab your kids a bulletin um, and also, kids, grab a pen, a highlighter, a crayon, something. Um, And you can mark up your bulletin. The whole passage is there on page 7. Okay, so I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, and I'll I'll make it a little easier. I'll emphasize some certain words that repeat. Look for words that repeat. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Did you hear anything repeating in there? Kids, try marking those. Um, You can also, kids, mark verses 5 and 6. Uh, Look for the word my. We'll come back to that later. You'll be ahead of the game. Okay, so alone. What does it mean to trust God alone? Now, when you say that, does that mean you only trust God? I trust no one else. I don't trust any of you. I only trust God. Uh, No, that doesn't make sense. So what in the world does it mean? Jesus told a very helpful parable um, of building your house on a rock versus sand. This is helpful. This is the idea here. It's real short, so I'll read it to you. Matthew 7 Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain fell and the floods came. The wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Kids, if you ever in a sand castle, you know what this is like. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Okay, so trusting God alone is that first and foremost, fundamentally, foundationally, 
You're building your life on God. Your trust is ultimately on him. Even though you do trust your spouse and trust others, it's all secondary to that. I hope that makes sense. All right, kids, you could imagine this. Okay, you're on vacation, and uh, you're staying in this really cool beach house. It's on this big out, uh, rock outcropping. Okay, can you imagine that? House on a big rock. Okay, you're down on the beach. You're building sandcastles. You dig a big hole. You're having fun. And all of a sudden, the storm comes real fast. Off the ocean, you see lightning. Where, where do you run? Do you, like, jump in that hole you dug? You're surrounded by your sandcastle. You'll be safe. Right? It's ridiculous. Right? No, you run up to the house. So we don't live. You can actually play in the sand. We live among people, and we interact in relationships, and we have a level of trust. But our ultimate trust is in that beach house up on the rock. Right? So when the storm comes, that's where we're running. That's where we're running. I hope you can get the picture. Okay, look at verse 5 and 6. This is repeated, same idea. Kids, again, you can mark repeating words. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Yeah, this is so good. I love how he says over and over, my rock, my salvation, my fortress. And we're going to circle back to this idea of that we do trust in others in our third point. But think about this. He says, wait in silence. Did you see that? Does that mean, remember last week we talked about you get to pour out your raw emotions to God. Waiting in silence sounds like the opposite of that. Are they contradicting each other? They aren't. Let me explain how. If you looked in verse 8, it actually says, pour out your heart before God. So which is it? Do I wait in silence or do I pour out my heart before God? Um, kids, again, kids, you get to participate quite a lot today. Imagine you're shopping with your mom and you want it to be over. You might not be able to relate with that, but you just want to stop and go get lunch or go home. Okay, and so you politely, kindly say to mom, mom, can we go home and have lunch? I'm sure you say it like that. Okay? And so you've poured out your emotions. I'm really, really hungry, mom. It's two o'clock. I'm quite hungry. Okay? Um, and, but then mom says, um, honey, we have a little bit more to do. You're going to have to be patient. Okay, now, how would God like you to wait until mom finishes shopping? Would God want you to beg constantly and whine? No, right? So waiting in silence doesn't mean you can't pour out your heart, but when there's delay, we wait patiently. Now, adults, this is not easy for us either, is it? When God doesn't immediately do what we want, we usually get quite whiny, just like our children. So this is what it means. I'm waiting in silence. I'm waiting patiently. I've poured out my heart before you, and if you delay, I'll wait. This is something else cool. Did you see one, the beginning of one and the beginning of five? Almost identical words, but completely different. Because in five, the one is a statement, right? For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Verse five is actually, you're talking to yourself. We talked about that last week, right? Speak truth to yourself. Helpful self-talk. For God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence. He's telling himself what to do. So this is just a repeat from last week. Very helpful. All right, something else interesting, and this you should do this whenever you read the Psalms, is pay attention to uh, what person he's talking. So first person, second person, third person. All you English majors appreciate this. Um, kids, um, first person is I and my, right? And then second person is you. And then third person is he, she, it, they, okay? 
So beginning verse 1 and 2, a lot of mys, right? Look at verse 3. It changes. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Okay, so now he's talking to the bad guys, right? But remember, this is a song that was sung in the congregation. And so in a sense, again, they're kind of pouring out their heart to God, right? Because they aren't actually talking to the bad guys. They're talking as if they're talking to them in a song in worship. Again, we see it's okay for us to tell God how we feel. All right. Uh, Then, now kids, hopefully this is where your my's come in, okay? Count how many times you mark the word my in verse 1 and 2 and 5 and 6. All right, I'll read it quickly, and you count quickly. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, and my refuge is God. You don't have enough fingers on your hands. 14 is the number I got. I I might have miscounted, but that's a lot, isn't it? 14 times in four or five verses, he says, my. There's two things you need to know about your relationship with God. One is, it is very personal. This seems pretty personal, doesn't it? When you say my 14 times, that's kind of personal. You had to, or do still have to, place your faith in Christ, right? So to become a Christian, you don't do this all together, right? Kids, has your family ever gone to uh, the Isle of Palms County Park, right? Dad pays for the whole car, right? You don't have to pay, you just get in. If you've been on a ferry, dad pays for the car, everybody comes on. Salvation is not like that. Salvation's not like that, kids. And for all of us, if you grew up with Christian parents, that does not get us into heaven. You personally have to believe in Christ. Confess with your mouth. Say, I believe in him. In your heart, believe. Okay, it's very personal. This is not a surprise to you. We're Americans. Everything's personal to us. There's another aspect we'll come back to in a moment. But it's personal. And so we see this here. Okay, so how do we know to what extent God is your rock and your salvation? Since it's personal, here's a way you can know. When, the storm, when storms come into your life, and they will, do you run to God? Think for a moment. When storms come into your life, do you run to God? Storms will show what our house is built on. In God's love, he often allows storms into our lives to help us understand the foundation of our house. And oftentimes, there are parts of it that are built on sand, right? And those house of cards fall, and that's a good thing. But hopefully, ultimately, your house is built on the rock, which is Christ. In Mark 4, we have Jesus. God allows the disciples in this crazy storm so they would see their lack of faith. And then Jesus, with a word, calms the storm. This is very helpful. Now, does this mean if you struggle with fear, anxiety, and anger, that God is not the rock of your life, that you're not a Christian? No, because it would rule out all of us. It is possible to stand on a rock and still be filled with anxiety as if the the sky is going to fall, right? So there can be a distinction between your heart and reality. We learned that last week, didn't we? There can be a, a separation. So you actually... Can stand. Now, of course, if your life is not on the rock, you will be filled with anxiety. 
but we even as believers. And so when we become a Christian, it's usually a slow, iterative process of God dealing with our anxiety, our fear, our anger, because we grow in trust of him. Hopefully you see that. But I don't want you to be anxious about that. If I trouble with anxiety, I must not be a Christian. Just read Romans 7. You'll see Paul wrestling with his sin. Even Christians battle with sin. I just want you to connect the dots. Your struggle with anxiety, fear, and anger is related to your struggle with trusting God. Related to your um, trusting God. If you've ever been to a physical therapist and they say, and you're like, I got back pain. Or you know, what do you know? I have back pain. Or if you not realize, they say, oh, all your core muscles are very weak. Okay? So sometimes we don't understand the corollary between what's actually going on in our body. I know I have pain here, but I don't know where it's coming from. So with this, you know you have anxiety, but you might not realize I actually don't trust God to some extent in this thing. Now, just knowing that, oh, my, we, my core is weak, doesn't solve the problem, right? Then it's a process to say, oh, I probably should start working out these muscles. You want to work out your trust in God. When you're anxious, just repent and say, God, I'm anxious. There's some way in, in which I don't trust you. Please grow my trust of you. You're getting, getting a little deeper to what the source is. Now, there can be other sources of these things, but often it is trust of our anxiety, our fear, and our anger. At least try that on for size. It'll address a good percentage of those things. Jesus so helpfully connects these dots. He says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. He's connecting this. What you'll eat, what you'll drink about your body, what you'll put on it. Is your life not more than food, your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value of them? The key thing is trust, isn't it? You have to trust that God cares more about you than the birds. And so then, it will give you, you won't be anxious. That's what's, it's connecting those dots. I'm just, again, sharing personally. I've been leveled a number of times in my life. It is terribly unpleasant. But I'm thankful for them because in them, I've had to trust in God. I've only had God. And so my trust grew by little increments, but they grew. I know you don't want your, your life or any part of it built on sand and And so God allows often these storms for this purpose. So we've looked at your relationship with God is very personal. But there's another aspect to it. That brings us to our second point. Trust God together. Okay, so remember, we noticed the audience changes from first person and so forth. In verse 5, it says, To God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. We saw in verses uh, 3 and 4, he goes to second and third person. Now look at verse 8. Who's he addressing? Trust in him at all times, O people. Who's he talking to? Who are the people? Well, in this situation, it would be you. You're the people, right? This is sung in church, right? Or this in the Old Testament, in their synagogue or in the temple. So now the psalmist, David, is turned to everyone else, and he's saying, you trust in God at all times. Why is that significant? Well, it is because your relationship with God is not only personal, but it is also corporate or together. So yes, you are to trust God alone, but you're to trust God together. I wanted last week so much to talk about this, but it wasn't in the psalm. It's in this week, so I get to talk to you about it. This is really important. Your relationship with God is not just 
a personal thing. It certainly is, but it's not only that. The Psalms is not just your personal songbook. It was for the church. Right? When we sing songs together, we're singing them as a church. What difference does it make? Well, because there's encouragement. Are you not encouraged when you come with other people? When someone else knows that you're going through a hard time or going through a storm, it lightens that burden, doesn't it? It lightens that burden. Do you believe that? The way you know is what you do when you're in storms. We just talked in Sunday school about this, right? Real friendship is risky, right? It takes vulnerability, right? And so in storms, we must turn to each other. This is exactly what David is doing. He's speaking to us. He's telling us, trust in him at all times. Now, it doesn't say just in sometimes. Of course, you turn to God in big things. But what about little things? I want to make a projection or a prediction that a a significant amount of your anxiety, fear, and anger is actually about little things. Think about that. What percentage of your anger, fear, and anxiety is about only really big things? I've found it's often about little things too. And so if you only go go to God about the big things, you only trust him for the big things, you're going to have a lot of problem, aren't you? And so we need to go to God, what does it say? At all times, in even the little things, in even the little things. This is really important. This is why we have prayer triads. Ecclesiastes 4, this is the theme verse for that ministry. Two are better than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will stand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Of course, this should be true of your spouse. You should lean on each other. God has not given everyone a spouse. And often, sometimes, the spouse is the one (laughs) that you need prayer about. Right? And so you need a prayer triad. You need a couple brothers, a couple sisters to walk through life with. This is why we created that. We are not to live the Christian life alone. We are to trust God together. Our third point is to trust God, not man. This relates especially back to our our first point. Remember, trust God alone. And we said, what does that mean? Do I trust no one else? Well, no. What does it mean? Well, the two big alternatives to trusting God are who? Me, trusting ourselves, and then we trust in someone else. Those are the two big plays. This specifically, look at 9 and 10. Who's it talking about? Other people. Those of low estate are but a breath. For all my fans of Ecclesiastes, um, this is the same word. It's over and over in Ecclesiastes. It's often translated vanity, translated different ways, but breath of no weight. Those of high estate, so low estate, this could be poor and rich. This could be um, powerful and not powerful. Um, of high estate are a delusion. In the balance, they go up. If you've ever seen a balance, you put your suffering in one, your trial in one, and you put people, whether they're of low esteem or high esteem, and they go up. That's literally what it's talking about, in the balance. Because they have no weight, they are like the weight of breath. Your breath weighs nothing. Your breath weighs nothing. Put no trust in extortion. So this especially is focusing on money. No vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. 
Neither trust in people or people that have money or money. Trust only in God. Okay, now you might be confused and say, now wait a second, I thought you said we're supposed to um, do this together. Okay, there's a difference between trusting in someone and trusting with someone. All right, if I have any teens here, um, let me speak to you for a moment. Um, Imagine you're a teen driver and uh, you're driving with your parents and you come up to a green light and you stop and you look both ways. Your parent says, you don't need to do that. Why? Because you can trust that when your light's green, the other lights are red. Okay, and you're like, oh, okay. And so now you drive through green lights. Okay, now the second is you come to a stop sign and your your parent says, hey, don't worry about those. Just drive right through them. I'll, I'll tell you that you're clear, okay? Oh, you're fine. Just keep going. Okay, now what's the object? The, the difference between these two is the, the object of your trust. Hopefully you're tracking with me. The object of your trust in the first one is what? The stoplight, right? Dad told me that, that when this is green, that's red, right? You aren't trusting that your parent every time, you're trusting the stoplight. In the second one, you're trusting the object of your trust is who? Your parent. They're the ones that are going to tell you that you can go through this stop sign and that there's no one coming. That'll work for a while until they miss a car and you get in an accident, right? So Brandon and I are not to be the object of your trust. Do we preach the word to you? Yes. Do we labor to live exemplary lives? Yes. But we will eventually disappoint you. The object of your trust must not be us, but God. Just like the stoplight. Hope you can follow that. And so ultimately, as part of a church that your trust, and my trust, Right? Even though I'm thankful for elders, but ultimately, my trust, even though I obey and submit to them, the temporary session, my ultimate trust is to God. Wives, your ultimate trust should be in God. Yes, you obey and submit and respect your husband, but ultimately, you're not trusting him, but the God that's behind him who gave him to you. Same with em- employees, whatever realm you're in. Children, this is true for you. You should love and trust and obey your parents. But ultimately, you're trusting God. They will fail you, either in a small way or a large way. This gives us security and stability. So hopefully you understand the difference in objects. And please don't place your trust ultimately in us. It's ultimately in the Word of God. That's why we try to preach and show you this is coming in the Bible. This is what the Bible says. Don't don't take my word for it. Believe the Word of God. That's who you are ultimately trusting. Look at verse 11 and 12. It says, Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. And what is it? Power belongs to God. And that you, O God, belong steadfast love. Steadfast love, we saw it last week. It means his covenant love. He has bound himself to us in an unbreakable promise. That should give you encouragement. Right? If he was only powerful and not loving, you're in big trouble. That's like the imaginary Greek gods. They were somewhat fickle. But what if he was loving and not powerful? He'd really want to help you, but he wouldn't be able to. God is both powerful and loving. This is of great comfort. So next time you're anxious, fearful, or angry, my encouragement is to ask yourself, is there any way in which I'm not trusting God? Read and meditate on this psalm. God gave it to you, not just for Sunday mornings, But when you really need it, when you're anxious, angry, or scared. Remember last week we talked about what difference does it make that we're on this side of the cross 
Does it make any difference? All that I've said to you so far could be said before the cross. Is there any difference because we're on this side of the cross? The focus of the psalm was trust God alone, trust God together, trust God, not man. All true of the Old Testament. But how do we know that God is trustworthy? How do you know that God is an immovable rock? How do you know that God is your salvation or your fortress? How do you know that you won't be greatly shaken? I mean, do you ever question these things? How do you know that God will never fail us? How do you know that he has all power and steadfast love? Because of Christ. Because of Christ. How do you know that God is trustworthy? Because he kept his promise and he sent you Christ. How do you know that he's immovable rock? Matthew 21. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Who's that about? Christ. He is the rock. You're not on a sandy foundation. You're built on Christ. How do you know that he's your fortress? Because Christ is your fortress. Romans 8 says, I'm sure of this, neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights nor depths, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate from the love of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. It is a love of Christ that will never Break down. That wall will never be climbed over. It's a fortress. How do you know you will not be shaken? John 6 says, And this is the will. This is what Jesus said. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise him up at the last day. You have a person. Hebrews 12 says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. All these promises in this psalm were fulfilled in Jesus. That's how you know that you don't have to be anxious, you don't have to be scared, you don't have to be angry because things aren't going your way because God has, is completely in control and he who gave us his son, how will he not give us all things? This should be of great encouragement. How do you know that he is your salvation? God sent Jesus to live a sinless life and dare die a terrible death, paying the death penalty for you because you look lustfully at a woman. Because you got angry. Because you were selfish. I'm no different. We all have way more sins than we care to admit. Jesus died for those very things. How do we know? They didn't understand this. Right? We, they, God is my salvation. They generally knew that somehow God was going to save them. We know exactly how it's going to happen. My sins were paid for on the cross. Is that true for you? Were your sins paid for on the cross? Do you know for sure? If you do, that is the rock that you're standing on. It will give you great confidence when you're anxious. Now again, this is not a binary, a just flip a switch. It is slow and iterative. Do not be discouraged if you struggle greatly with anxiety or anger or fear. But over time, God will slowly build up your trust in him. Trust often grows, doesn't it? And it should for us. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. So brothers and sisters, on the clear testimony of Scripture, trust God, not man. Trust God together and trust God alone. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I pray that this psalm would make it out of this room. I pray that it would make it into their lives and that you would grow us little bit by bit to trust you more. And that slowly over time, our fears and our anxieties 
and our anger would slowly dissipate, that we'd trust that you're in charge. You have a plan. It's working out just as you planned it, even if it's not the way we intended. Lord, grow my trust. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.